And we are so excited to announce something brand new here at Bayshore Community Church. Available now on any of the app stores, either Apple or Android or even Amazon, is the exciting Bayshore Church app for your mobile device. Now this app is chock full of content for you to use to engage with Bayshore. There's a sermon archive where you can browse past messages from both campuses. There's ways for you to sign up for classes, for events, for small groups. There's events calendars so that you don't miss anything that's happening. There's even a Bible reading section where you can get daily updates on where we are reading in the Bible. Also, this app has a great new giving feature, a very sleek and efficient way to easily give anytime you like and also have reoccurring gifts. So be sure to check out our app. You can go to bayshorecc.org slash app. That's bayshorecc.org slash app. And find links to download the Bayshore Church app. Well, good morning, everybody. We are starting a new series today called Famous Givers. And uh, I want to welcome our podcast listeners and welcome those that are watching on Facebook Live right now. Thank you for watching and those that will go to the website to watch this message. Welcome, and uh, especially welcome everybody that's here. Uh, as you saw in the intro, we're going to start a series today talking about giving. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the famous givers in the Bible. But along with that, every week we're going to have people from our church that are going to be telling their giving story how they became a giver, how the Lord uh, spoke to them, and how they came to faith where they began to give. And I, I just love uh, that interview. I love Nick's candor when uh, Judy asked him to give more. He said, what are you, crazy? I think that's really, really awesome. I love his uh, candor about that because I think that really captures how so many people feel about giving. So in this series, we're going to be looking uh, at uh, different people in our church that are givers, but also we're going to be looking at people in the Bible that were givers, famous givers in the Bible. And when I've been reading the Bible over the years, one thing that I've discovered is there are certain themes that are present in the Scriptures. And one of the things that I think is uh, in the Bible, we see these uh, people where these stories where people were givers, where they learned to give by faith and how the Lord blessed them. So we're going to be looking at the famous givers in the Bible. And I've been thinking about this series probably for a couple of years. It's just sort of been in my heart. I've been uh, really looking forward to teaching on this. Uh, we're looking at, uh, you know, in the Bible, famous givers. But you think about in, in history, famous givers. There uh, have been a number of people that have been famous uh, philanthropists in, in history that have given a lot. Uh, Andrew Carnegie would be one of them. Uh, several years ago, I was in Scotland with uh, people from our church, and, and I was in Dunfermline, uh, Scotland, which is the home where uh, Andrew Carnegie was born. And uh, he was, uh, you know, in 1901, the richest man in the world, and an amazing, amazing man. And so I knew a little bit about Andrew Carnegie, so I went to his house. Everybody else kind of went on sightseeing one day, went to the, uh, the old golf course, the original golf course where golf started, which was a cool thing to see, but I wanted to see Andrew Carnegie's house. So I went and saw this little modest house in Benferman, Scotland, where uh, Andrew Carnegie was, was born. And he didn't stay in Scotland, although his parents were from Scotland. They moved to America, and they settled around Pittsburgh. And uh, as he was a little boy, he worked in the cotton mills. And uh, just a little, little guy started working in the cotton mills. And after a while, after he grew up, he started working for the railroad. And then he got this idea 
uh, to invest in steel. And so he took the money he had invested in steel. And before he was 30 years old, Andrew Carnegie was, was, had made his money. He was very, very wealthy. And as I mentioned, by 1901, he was probably the richest uh, man in the world at that point. And what happened to him, uh, and he sold his company, his steel company, uh, to, uh, to, to Morgan. And then when he sold his, his company, uh, he decided at the age of 66, uh, in 1901, he was 66 years old, that he was going to spend the rest of his life trying to give away his money. And he had this, uh, he had this philosophy. He believed this. He, he, he developed what was called the gospel of wealth which was not the you know, television evangelist, uh, you know, prosperity preacher thing. It was what it was for him, the gospel of wealth for Andrew Carnegie was, he believed that if you were blessed in, in a lot of ways, if you were blessed financially, you had a moral obligation to help the world. And so Andrew Carnegie started giving away his money. One of the things he did was he... Uh, he built libraries. When he was a kid, he loved to read. And when he was growing up around Pittsburgh, um, there was this rich guy who lived next door to him that would lend him books. And so the, one of the first things he did was he built 2,000 libraries. And then uh, he had a big passion for school teachers. He set up this endowment for pension for school teachers. Uh, he helped uh, build, uh, put organs in churches all across Europe. And here's what's interesting. By, the, by 1911, 10 years later, he had given away 90% of his wealth, 90% of his wealth, which in those times would have been a phenomenal amount of money. It was millions and millions of dollars. I think he sold his company for $480 million, and by 1901 or 1911, he had given away 90% of that. So he spent the rest of his life trying to give away money. He felt like that it would be, uh, 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 it would be shameful that if he died and had all this money. So that was Andrew Carnegie. So he's a famous giver. If you know anything about givers, uh, famous, famous giver. J.C. Penney, if you ever went to, uh, how many of you ever shop at Penney's? Uh, you know, or if you, you know, make, give it the French name, J.C. Penney. You know, you've got this nice place you shop, you know. So, um, so J.C. Penney gave away a lot of money. J.C. Penney uh, started out given 10%, and then at the end of his life, I think he was giving away 90% and living on 10%, and uh, just a really, really legacy about giving. In our times, of course, Bill and, Bill and Melinda Gates, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and their, their partnership with Warren Buffett, they've given away a, a lot of money. In fact, to date, $28 billion the uh, Gates Foundation has given away to help different uh, things around the world, schools, hospitals. $8 billion they've given away to help uh, world health issues. And uh, they've given a lot. I wouldn't always agree they, they support Planned Parenthood. That wouldn't be something I would do. Uh, I don't uh, support that. But they, have, they, they do represent uh, someone that's famous that's given away a lot of money. How many know who Bill Gates is? Everybody knows who Bill Gates is. And Bill Gates has now become famous as a philanthropist giving away money. So it's interesting that what a, what a great, great legacy to have to be known as a giver, to be a famous giver. That's a, that's a, there's people in history like that, famous givers. And today we're going to read a story of a woman in the Bible that was a famous giver. And this is one of my favorite giving stories. When I thought of this series a couple years ago, the Lord kind of laid it on my heart a couple years ago, this is the first story I thought, boy, I want to preach on this story. And it's a story I, I heard about as a kid in, in Sunday school. And it's found in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. And uh, you will probably recognize this story as I read it. 
Uh, this is in the life of Jesus. In fact, the scholars say, some scholars say, that this was the last public incident in the life of Jesus before uh, he just spent time with his disciples before he went to the cross. So this is the last public thing that happens to Jesus right before he excludes himself with the disciples and all that. So that's interesting in that, in that regard. Mark 12, 41 through 44 says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on. Now, Here's how this story, if you can kind of imagine this story. Jesus has been teaching in the temple. The temple's broke down into different areas. There's a big courtyard called the Temple of the Gentiles or the Court of the Gentiles. That's where everybody hangs out. Jesus has probably been teaching there and ministering there and uh, praying for people, you know, uh, for hours. And so he maybe is a little tired. So he goes into a little, another portion of the temple area called the, the Court of Women which is an area where all Jewish people can go, men and women, but especially where women could go. Women weren't allowed to go into certain sections of the temple uh, for whatever reason. So uh, that's another sermon and another discussion. But, they were, uh, they were, uh, the, the, but in the court of women was where they had the, the treasury, and that's where they had 13 offering boxes. 13 offering boxes, and it was like a box, and then they had this trumpet-shaped kind of receptacle coming out of the box, like a shofar, you know, like a trumpet, these trumpet things, and they would come out of these boxes. There were 13 of them, and they were different things that when you give to one box, it represented certain areas that you were contributing to. So Jesus is sitting down there, and he's hanging out, and he's watching. He's kind of chilling out after he's been teaching, and he's watching people kind of come up and make these offerings. He's, he's kind of watching that whole thing. I know if you've ever gone to the mall and just sit down and watch people. Isn't that fun? Just kind of watch people walk by. And so Jesus is kind of doing that. He's sitting there, and he's watching people kind of meandering around. And, and, and you get these rich people. The Bible says there's a lot of rich people. And in this story, by the way, it's not a, a story that slams rich people. It's not against rich people. God loves rich people and poor people. It's not like, you know, bang on the rich. That's not what this story is about. But it's about, you can see these, these rich people come and they're making their offerings. And the Bible says there was a lot of rich people and they were giving great sums, great amounts. And I'm sure the temple people were excited about that to see these rich people come to church and put money in the offering. I'm, you know, if you're on the, uh, you know, the running a place, I mean, that's always a positive thing for people that are running a religious organization. And so the, these people are, are, these rich people coming in and just think, they got these, these wonderful, these, these ornate robes and silk robes, and, they, and rich people walk a certain way. So they're, they're kind of walking, and they got confidence, and they come up there, and, and, they're, and they're opening their bags, their money bags, and they're taking out these big gold coins, and you can hear these big gold coins clanging in there and circling around going into the receptacle box. And Jesus is watching that. And then in the midst of that crowd, there's this poor, poor woman. She's not, she's not, uh, she's not, you can tell she's poor. You can tell she's poor by how she's dressed. And she's, she's alone. She's a widow and she's poor and she's kind of shuffling up there. And I don't know, I just picture her bent over and she comes up there and she, and she takes two coins, two little coins called lepta, lepta. Uh, lepta is, is, is the plural, lepton would be the singular. So the little tiny coins, the smallest coin 
the smallest coin uh, in the Jewish currency system. In fact, you know, it, it was one-eighth of a cent. She takes these two coins and she puts it in those, those trumpet-shaped receptacle and you can't even hear it. They're so small, they don't even touch the side and they just go right to the bottom. And nobody hears that offering. But the Lord saw her giving. And the Lord uh, called his disciples over and he said to the disciples, he said, do you see this woman? She has put in more than all the others combined. So he gives this very favorable review of what this woman has done and her gift caught his attention. Her gift caught his attention and she was impressed by that. How many have ever, or he was impressed by that. How many have ever heard that story before? That's a familiar story to you. That's a story I grew up in Sunday school, Methodist church, hearing that story. And I always liked that story because Jesus sort of points out the wonderful thing that this woman did. Now, I thought about what does this story teach? Well, it teaches some things that I think are a little scary. One thing it teaches, it teaches this. It teaches that God sees what we give. Say that with me. God sees what we give. Now, I don't think I'm violating the Scripture to say that because I think that it teaches that because Jesus saw what they were giving. Now, have you, let me just ask a personal question. Have you ever, have you ever watched somebody else put money in the offering plate? Have you ever watched that when the offering plate comes by? How many, I mean, I, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many have you been, you know, you're, you're not looking straight ahead. You're looking to see what they're giving there. When I was a little boy in the Methodist church, I used to watch people during the offering time. And in the little Methodist church I went to, offering play would come by. People would put money in and they would take money out. They would make change. <laughs> Can you all say cheapskate? Can you say cheapskate? <laughs> Maybe they only wanted to give $5, you know, so they took four ones out. And I just thought it was ridiculous. But anyhow, if you ever see anybody taking money out of the plate here, just let us know. We'd like to know about that. But I don't think, I don't think it's a stretch to say this, says the Lord saw what they gave, and the Lord sees our giving, and, and he sees something good in this woman. We have a tendency to think that when the Lord sees us, if I say the Lord sees everything you do, we have a tendency to think that that means that the Lord just sees the bad things that I do. That the Lord just sees when I've done something I shouldn't do and the Lord's watching and all that. But I think what this story teaches us is the Lord sees the little things that we do that nobody else sees. He sees the things that, that we do that nobody else sees. I, when I w didn't preach here a few weeks ago, uh, my friend Michael Bailey was preaching, so I was kind of wandering around. I went over to the nursery, nursery section at the church, and I was looking at the children's ministry and just uh, encouraging everybody that was uh, serving over there. And I, and I walked into the nursery area, and I saw this woman in our church that's extremely uh, well-educated and just a, she has a professional woman, and she was sitting in the floor, and she had all these little kids around her. And they were, these kids were just, uh, you know, just hanging on to her. And she was loving on these little kids and taking care of them. And I thought, you know, nobody is going to see that today. Most people won't see that. But the Bible says that God will not forget our labor of love, that he sees every single thing we do. Can you say a big amen? There's a guy that cleans all of our church's floors here, all of our church floors. Uh, he cleans them. He has a cleaning business, and he always cleans our church floors for free. When you're not here, nobody's here. Nobody sees what he's doing, and he's in here. In fact, uh, you know, he turns the light on, closes the door, and he, and he cleans these floors, cleans our carpets and all that, and he always takes care of that. God sees 
our sacrifices. God sees our sacrifices. There's nothing that we can do that the Lord doesn't see. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. He sees the good things, and he sees this woman giving. And this woman, she gives, and she gives, you know, uh, the difference between her gift and the gift of the rich people was that when she gave, she gave everything, and she had nothing left over to fall back on. She had nothing left over to fall back on. And the rich guys, when they gave, they gave good amount of money. And I mean, it probably made a big difference in the temple and, and all that. They gave all this money. But when they gave, they still had a pile of money left over. They had all of this money left over. And they had plenty to fall back on. But she gave, she gave so much, she gave everything she had, so there was nothing she held back. And I thought, you know, it's interesting that she had two coins, not one coin, but she had two coins. So she could have said, hey, I'm going to give one coin, and I'm going to keep the other coin. But the story has this lesson in it, that she didn't hold anything back, but she gave both of those coins uh, into that offering receptacle so that uh, she gave everything and didn't hold anything back. And here's what I think the principle is. I think the principle is, is that is, is when we talk about giving, one of the things that happens with giving is I've noticed that people, they, they have other areas of their life in order where, they're, where Jesus is Lord of other areas of their life, where the Lord is Lord of them coming to church, so they start coming to church regularly, or they start reading their Bible regularly, or they get baptized, or they, uh, they, they do, uh, you know, serve and all that. There's other areas where they have, uh, they, they don't hold back. But many, many times, because money is such a stronghold and a difficulty in our life, that's that one area that we hold back. That one area that we hold back, that we struggle with. I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with wonderful men in the church, what I would consider my friends and buddies that have uh, you know, gone through uh, struggles with their finances and just couldn't seem in this area to break through in giving because you know, it just was so hard for them to, to trust God and to give in this area. But when this woman, when she gave the two lepta, when she gave everything she had, she had nothing to fall back on. And so here's what this story teaches. It teaches us that in our mentality as people that follow Jesus, in our mentality, we should think as if all we have to fall back on is God. All we have to fall back on is God. Doesn't mean we shouldn't be uh, really good in managing our money. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't go through Financial Peace University. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't save for retirement. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't have a savings fund. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be uh, prudent and wise and cut up our credit cards and be wise in how we spend our money. Doesn't mean any of that. All that's all legitimate. But at the end of the day, we have to remember at the end of the day, what really matters is that we are dependent on the Lord. And giving is that one thing, it's that one symbol in our life. It's that one symbol that says, Lord, I'm doing the best I can. I'm working. I'm, you know, got my pension plan. I'm, you know, trying to save up for my kids' college and all that. I'm doing the best I can. But at the end of the day, I give my tithe to you because I believe you are all I have to fall back on. You are all that I have to fall back on. And it's that attitude. It's that difference, that difference in the paradigm, that difference in the attitude where this woman, she had nothing to fall back on but God. So when you give, uh, when I uh, 
just you know, this other week, uh, I did a wedding for a wonderful couple in our church. It's a beautiful wedding. And uh, so they thought I did a pretty good job, and they gave me some money for doing the wedding. And that was just always nice. And uh, so they gave me a, a nice check for, for doing this wedding. And, and I was so grateful, you know. And I, I, you know, I tried to give it back a few times. You know, do you want this back? You know, but anyhow, I was just really, uh, just, I was so thankful for, for their blessing me. Um, so I, I, you know, uh, I came home and, and uh, got our church app out, and I love our church app. This is the greatest way to give, and so uh, they gave me a just wonderful gift, and so I gave, uh, I gave uh, the $25 tithe for that, for that, uh, for that wedding, and, and I put the tithe in, and then I pushed the little send, and as soon as I pushed the send, as I pushed the send, what the send says, the send says, Lord, all I have to fall back on is you. All I have to fall back on is you. I am always fully dependent on you. And so it's a mentality in life. We are, the Bible says to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That means that we should be very prudent with our, with our handling of our money, and we should be very uh, wise, and we should be very frugal, and we should be smart about that. That's why Karen and I, we work together on our money. You know, Dave Ramsey said, you've got a, a free spirit, and then you've got a nerd in the family. And, uh, you know, I tend to be the free spirit a little bit, and Karen's a little bit the nerd with the giving, and so we balance each other out. And, uh, you know, sometimes I want to buy things that maybe we shouldn't buy, and so we go through this process. And so we, we were smart about that. But we've always... Even though we're wise, and we've been through Financial Peace University, which everybody should do, although we're wise, ever since we've been married, we've always given 10% of our income to whatever church we're part of, and we support that church, and we believe that as we give that money to the church that God's called us to be a part of, that we're saying, God, as hard as we're working, and as much as we're trying to handle our money right, all we have to fall back on is you. All we have to fall back on is you. Say, say it with me. The reality is all we have to fall back on is the Lord. It says in Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So there's two ways to go at money things. You can go at leaning on your own understanding that I'm going to be smart about money, which is important, and that it's all going to be about me and my, if I can do everything right, I'll be okay. Or am I going to live my life under the foundation by being smart and being wise, but live my life under the foundation that all I have to do is fall back on is you. All I have to do is fall back on is you. So when Karen and I were in Bible college in 1981, no, it was 1979, we started, we lived in Pensacola, Florida, and uh, I went to school full-time, and I worked in between semesters. Uh, I did all kinds of things. I put roofs on houses, and I painted. And I, uh, you know, I, uh, it was a beach area, so I used to uh, work on crews where we would uh, put sandbags on the beaches to keep the beaches from eroding. I'd do that between semesters. But uh, I didn't work while I was going to school because it was, you know, I'm not that smart. So anyhow, I had to really study. <clears throat> so <clears throat> I remember... Karen made, she worked for a dental assistant, and she made $11. She made $11. She made $110. $110. So uh, that, was, that was my job. Anyhow, she made $110 a week. And so we gave, for all those years we were in Babacaj, 
We went to Liberty Church, Pensacola, Florida, about 1,500 people, great church, loved Jesus, people got saved and all the times, wonderful church. We went there, and it was before the time of church apps, and it was time before you could give online giving and all that. But we'd take our check, we'd write our check out before we left home. We'd go to church, and we'd put $11, $11 in the offering plate every Sunday. Every Sunday. And we just, we, God just took care of us for all those years, just took care of us. Uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't get rich uh, and, uh, you know, I remember one, one birthday I got, uh, I got for my birthday, I got a can of tennis balls, uh, you know, $1.50 can of tennis balls then, $1.25, and I got a, uh, I got a, a, Karen's mom sent money, and so I got a half gallon of uh, Briar's peach ice cream. How many have ever had Briar's peach ice cream? May, I'm telling you, it's amazing. You put a little bit on your forehead, your tongue, and breach your brains out trying to get to it. It's amazing. <laughs> That's an old joke. But anyhow, it was wonderful. Uh, but you know what? $110 a week, $11 check. $11 check said, we're doing the best we can. We're working. I'm going to school, hoping to get a job after I get out of school. Uh, we're doing everything we can do. And when we gave the tithe, it says... All we have to fall back on is you. All we have to fall back on is you. So I remember going to, uh, to the registrar office one, uh, one semester to pay for my school, to pay a payment on my, on my semester of school. And I remember going there and I had just enough money to pay care of the payment for uh, what I needed to pay to start school in a few weeks. And I remember going to take that check there that we had and so when I got there, the registrar said, uh, they said, Danny, said somebody just came in last week and paid your whole school bill, and you don't have to pay anything this semester. So how about, you, how you know what we did with that money? Hey, we went out to eat. I mean, uh, I said, get yourself the Big Mac. Hey, we're going to do it. <laughs> but giving is, this woman, she gave, she gave a, just a little bit. And here's a, here's a principle. Now, this is where it gets dicey for people. And I'll just tell you, this is what I believe, and you can do whatever you want to because, you know, you guys are smart people. But this story does argue for tithing when you feel like you can't afford to tithe. It argues for giving when it looks like you shouldn't give. And I'm not saying not to pay your bills. I'm not saying not to do what you need to do. But this story argues for for me, from the text, that sometimes you give when it's hard to give. You give when you make $110 a week. We could have rationalized. We could have said, listen, $110 a week, you know, living down here, you know, in this beach town, we can't afford that. We could have rationalized. But this woman, this woman gave when it was very difficult to give. So I've, I think there's a principle there that's important. And I thought about, you don't, uh, you don't get in, you don't say, I'll get in, when I get in shape, I'll start working out. You start to work out. You start to exercise to get in shape. And so when you think about giving, it's, a, it's an exercise. And it's, 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 it's a step of faith. And it's a very important, important part of that. And so she gave when it wasn't 
uh, wasn't really easy to give. And I don't know what the rest of the story was for this woman, but the Lord saw her. The Lord saw what she did. The Lord saw her her faithfulness. The Lord saw that she loved the kingdom of God. She loved the temple. She loved Jehovah. And, uh, you know, I, I just, it just, there's something about her eagerness to give, her eagerness to give, and her eagerness to, to honor the Lord through her giving. And it's just a really, really beautiful picture and a beautiful story of how she gave. And I just believe that's such an important principle. And uh, somebody said, Somebody said that, you know, one of the scholars that was reading about this story, one of the scholars said, said that, uh, that this woman gave everything. There was nothing she held back. She gave everything. And this scholar said this was the last public, public uh, incident in Jesus' ministry before he went, you know, to be with his disciples and went to the cross. And it was almost like an illustration to his disciples. He said, come over and look at this. This woman gave everything everything, and I'm about to give everything for you. I'm about ready to give everything for you. And in the, in the contents of the story, of the gospel story, in the context of that, it was to Jesus was saying, I'm about ready to give everything for you. And you think about when we tithe and we give, we give our tithes to recognize that everything that he has given for us, we want other people to know about. And so we give our tithes. Now, here I am. My first tithe was when I was 14 years old, and uh, I worked at Hardy's in Seaford, and I was a cook. And my first check was $14, I think. And I, 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 I'm never not tithed. I'm just saying I just was raised in that kind of environment. So I think it's, you know, it's like for my, me, it's like something I've always known. But I think for people that are new, they're coming to the faith here at Bayshore and those that got baptized today, this morning, five or six people in the first service, learning about giving is an important part of our spiritual growth because our spiritual growth, part of growing in our faith, is learning to trust God in every area of our life and to bless Him. And so here's the principle. She didn't put in one coin. She put in two coins so there was nothing she held back from the Lord. And so there's nothing we can hold back from the Lord if he's Lord of our life. We can't hold back our sexuality. We have to let him be Lord of our sexuality. We have to let the Lord be Lord of our time. We have to let the Lord be Lord of our relationships. We have to let the Lord be Lord of our finances as well. I got this little, somebody, uh, I saw this uh, little cartoon about somebody being baptized in one area they couldn't seem to get, you know, kind of like situated right was their money. And the Lord is Lord of everything for so many people, but, but this part, that part, that's really, really hard, hard part to, for people to get squared away sometime. So say it with me one more time. Uh, in reality, the only thing we have to fall back on is the Lord. So... When I give, when I give consistently through the, for the church app or when the offering plate comes by or the giving boxes are online, when I give, it's my public declaration to the Lord. Lord, I'm going to work my tail off. I'm going to save. I'm going to be smart. I'm going to invest. I'm going to be wise about money. But when I give, it is the foundation of my whole financial philosophy. 
And the foundation is, all I have to fall back on is you. And I can just tell you that the Lord has always done that for me. He's always done that for me. He's always done that for Karen and I. He's always taken care of us. And he always has blessed us. He's always taken care of us. And uh, just, I just thank him for that. I'm grateful for that. So, so the other day, we were uh, hanging out at the house, and this, uh, somebody dropped some cats off at our house. I guess, you know, people do that. They don't want animals anymore, so they ride through a neighborhood. They think we'll take care of them, so they drop these cats off. And there was uh, one cat that was obviously pregnant. She had been promiscuous, and she was pregnant. And uh, <laughs> and then there was this other cat with her. I don't know if that's her, you know, significant other or what. And then, and then, so we didn't feed them, you know, because we figured if we feed them, they're gonna. This is their house. So we thought we would wait them out, and they would maybe go to the neighbors, which which they did. And then this other other cat shows up and it is uh it's a big black cat and this cat literally has three legs it does not have all its legs it's missing a leg and here's a picture of this cat and uh uh chiron who leads worship here chiron said we should name him tripod so we did we named him tripod so this cat's laying on the back porch you know on his belly purring and I'm telling you, I mean, I'm a pretty hard, hard-nosed guy, but, you know, it's hard to turn down a three-legged cat. It really is. So. <laughs> so we started feeding it. That poor thing just loved milk. We gave him cream, and Karen's half and half. And then, you know, we went and bought cat food, I'm telling you. And uh, so... So I decided we didn't, we didn't want a long-term relationship with this cat. We were willing to help it for a while, so... Um, I put on Facebook about this cat, that this cat has had some bad luck. It only has three legs, and, um, and, and, and we would like to give it to a good home. So we put it on Facebook, and, uh, and you know, of course, Facebook just lit up, you know, just lit up. No, it didn't light up. Nobody, I mean, I went silent. Nobody... <laughs> Nobody even, like, said anything. Usually I put stuff on there. People are like, and it went silent. I mean, nobody wants a three-legged cat, I'm telling you. So I put it on there. And then Ivy, who is uh, uh, Josiah's wife, our student director that you saw earlier, Ivy and he were out in Kansas because Josiah's granddad died. And Ivy saw it and said, oh, please, Pastor Danny, uh, if nobody's playing that cat, we would love to have it. And I said to Ivy, there's a lot of people want this cat, but I'll hold it for you. <laughs> so I said, hey, you guys are special, so I'm holding it for you. So they got home Friday, and I'm texting them all, you know, every day after that. When are you coming home? When are you coming home? When are you coming home? You know? So yesterday, just I came, and I delivered tripod to him. And uh, here's a picture of Ivy holding the cat. She is so happy with this cat. She loves this cat. She's happy. We're happy. Tripod is happy. <laughs> so, th- this wasn't that great a sermon, so I thought I would throw that in at the end. <laughs> uh, 
But the truth is that all of us are really like tripod. Financially, we don't have a leg to stand on. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) But you know, when, when we were feeding tripod and taking care of tripod, this little cat, just made me, I just was, just had this little, little shoulder tap from the Lord. This poor thing, I mean, he's got nothing but bad luck, this cat. You know, and Brett Parsons said, talk about bad luck, he got dropped off at your house, you know. <laughs> but there's nobody to take care of this cat. The cat's got so much against him. But here's somebody that's going to hold this cat. It's going to feed this cat, taking it to the vet tomorrow. Going to love this cat. And I think if God loves an old black cat named Tripod, that God loves you to take care of you. And when I give every Sunday, it's just me saying, God, you're going to take care of me. You're going to take care of me. Good times bad times. Strong market, weak market. Same God that takes care of us. Would you lift your hands to the Lord this morning and about your money? He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. He loves you. So Lord, as we lift our hands today, we thank you so much for loving us. We thank you so much for taking care of us. We thank you, God, that when we give You are all we have to fall back on, and we depend on you. Lord, make us a church of great givers. Make us a church of famous givers, so that, Lord, we can make a difference in the world. You've called us to make us a difference in. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. 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 Love you guys. We'll see you next week. Very important message next week. We'll see you next week. Give the Lord a praise offering. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. God bless you.